Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, overcoming cancer with metabolic health strategies. Here we go. important than keto, than metabolic theory, than everything. If you sincerely believe your body is a placebo, <laughs> I mean, it's been so closely studied. This is why I get in arguments with my oncologist when he won't prescribe me certain off-label medications or support keto or fasting, is that, well, I believe that it's working. Or that's, he'll say, oh, this hasn't been proven. And it's like, it, it doesn't matter. Your argument is it might be a placebo. I don't care if that's why I heal. <laughs> as long as I heal. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. I hope you're having an incredible day today. We have a very inspiring episode for you today with Brad and Maggie Jones. I first met them in person in New York City just a few months ago, where we were all speaking at Keto Symposium hosted by my friend Christina Hess. And I fell in love with their message and their and Maggie's story and what they're doing in this world. Maggie was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And essentially her conventional doctors didn't really give her a, a chance to overcome it. But she didn't believe in the doctors. She believed in her incredible human body and the innate intelligence, the inner physician. So she went on a journey with her husband, Brad, to research metabolic health strategies, ketosis, fasting, other modalities, which she's going to outline. And she shocked everybody by healing her body. And her mission, her and Brad's mission, is to raise awareness of metabolic therapies and help other people thrive and live their best lives. So grab a tissue. You might cry during her story of the battle. We're not going to call it the battle, the journey of cancer. And we're going to get into why there's a wrong mindset regarding cancer, how people are like, F cancer. There's hashtags with millions of posts for people saying F cancer, F cancer. But cancer is kind of the answer. It's your innate intelligence showing you something is off. This is a major check engine light. But you don't hate the check engine light. You're thankful for it because you actually do something about it. So she's going to get into why it's important to realize your cancer cells or your cells. It's not an invading virus, bacteria, fungus, or whatever. And everybody's got a little bit of cancer in them. It's when the cancer metastasizes that it's a problem. So if somebody's diagnosed with cancer, she's going to recommend not to panic and to do 
the things you need to do to put your body in a healing state. Then we get into tumor markers, cancer markers, blood tests. What can we look at to see if things are off, to see if we could be proactive instead of reactive? She's going to list her favorite markers. Why the war against cancer is a big failure, has spent a lot of money, and it's just a wrong mindset. And the theory of cancer being a genetic mutation is a theory. Just that. It's not proven. It's more of a metabolic dysfunction. And she'll get into why that is. And what are the treatments? What are the solutions for cancer? Well, chemotherapy is one, but it's not your only choice. Uh, there's a study that I referenced that the five-year survival rate for somebody who does chemotherapy who has for somebody with breast cancer is 2.1% after five years if they don't change anything else. We'll get into a fascinating study on somebody who had breast cancer and you could, re you could reduce the likelihood of that reoccurring by 36% just by fasting 13 hours, which is incredible. We'll get into other therapies and then we're going to get into their incredible groundbreaking docu-series called Cancer Revolution. I saw the trailer and I have seen the lineup of speakers on this film. This is a game changer. If you know anybody who has cancer or anybody who wants to be proactive against cancer because it might have run in their family, they're going to want to listen to this episode and watch their film. Now, the film is being premiered at a film festival, meaning it's not fully released until the film festival shows it. However, we have set up something special for keto campers, and you're going to love this. They suggested us doing a special screening with a Q&A of the film. And I'm going to be doing that along with Dr. Tro from Low Carb MD and Brad and Maggie Jones. So this is a special thing we're doing for you. You're only going to hear that here. And that's going to take place on February 14th, Tuesday, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And we have a special link for you to register. It's going to be free. There's an option to donate if you'd like, which I do suggest you do. But all you really need to do is go to the link down below, register your spot, and you'll be able to join the live discussion and see more about the film. This is a special opportunity. So I'm going to drop that link in the notes down below. Before I bring them on the show, I do want to take a minute to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Harry915 titled Informative. This podcast is a joy to listen to. If it's Ben himself or one of his guests, this podcast is on topic and an informative podcast. If you're making a lifestyle change or have been doing keto for a while, this podcast is for you. Thank you, Harry. I agree. We talk about yeah, keto beginners, but also we get into the science of keto, and, and it's much more than just the keto podcast. I always say that. So thank you for listening, my friend. I have got vitamin G for you. And if you're listening to the show right now and you have not left it a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from, please take a minute to pause the episode and just leave it a quick review. Maybe I'll read yours on the next episode. I have been speaking a lot about environmental toxins and I've been referencing my toxicity quiz to see if you are low toxicity, moderate or high. Toxins play a big role with not just cancer, which is today's topic, but also weight loss resistance, autoimmune, and pretty much many diseases because toxins disrupt your mitochondria. 
With that being said, I'm doing something I've never done before where I'm going to be hosting a free toxicity masterclass on detox. During this masterclass, which is completely free, I'm going to outline the pros and cons of detox, the secrets to detox that nobody is really speaking about, the most predictable ways to turn on your fat-burning hormones by removing these toxins, what the research shows on environmental toxins. We're also going to be getting into how these toxins accumulate inside of your body, your tissues, your bones, and disrupt cellular health, disrupt your gut. The most common pitfalls when it comes to detox and how to do it right and how these toxins create weight gain and what to do about it. We'll get into liver support, lymphatic support, some mind-blowing, shocking research on toxins, why you don't want to accept your register, cash register receipt because there's toxins all over that, and simple tips. So this is a free masterclass on toxins and detox. If you want to join us, we do have limited spots. We have availability for a 1,000 people to join this, and I have not yet released this to the public, so you're hearing this first before I release it to the public, Keto Camper. All you need to do is go to toxinsmasterclass.com. That is T-O-X-I-N-S masterclass.com and register your free spot. It's taking place this Friday in just a few days, Friday, January 27th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We'll probably go for like an hour and a half. I have a lot to cover and there will be a replay available for 24 hours in case you can't make it live. I'll be giving away free gifts, and it's just going to be incredible. It's the first time I'm doing this. It's going to make a big difference in your life. So if you've taken my quiz and you scored moderate or high, this is a must attend. If you scored low, you still want to attend because you want to be proactive, not reactive. So toxinsmasterclass.com. Join me. I'll put that down below in the show notes. All right. Let's talk about cancer with Brad and Maggie Jones. Maggie is a director and producer. Brad is a director, writer, editor, producer. And Maggie's going to share her story about overcoming stage four lung cancer and their incredible docuseries called Cancer Revolution. So without further ado, here is Brad and Maggie Jones. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Brad. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having us. So I was blessed to meet you two recently in New York City, where you screened um, your incredible documentary, Cancer Revolution, or at least a clip from it, at uh, Christina Hess's event, Keto Symposium, where you spoke and shared your story, Maggie, which is so incredible. You'll share it today. And you shared the work that you're doing, which is so important with the statistics out there, which we'll get into and we got to hang out. It was just an incredible time. And I just fell in love with your story and your work. And I actually have a student of mine, Callie, who is connected to you too. And you, you know, you interviewed her as well. And she's shared and we'll get into that. So I'm excited to have you here. Thank you for being here. And Maggie, you have such an important story to share with us. So please, let's get right into your incredible story right now. All right. Uh, well, first, I want to thank you again for having us. And I really felt like we were kindred spirits at this event. Uh, so, so much of my story, I think, is going to echo your teachings. But it all begins one month after Brad and I moved to Hong Kong back in 2018 on a whim a little bit. I have, we'd never been to Asia. There was a lot going on in our life, and I was really ready for a change and a new adventure. And so that same month, I turned 40. 
and was immediately diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And by the time it was noticed, it was completely terminal. It had spread to my brain, my eye, throughout all my chest, neck, abdomen, and it was you know, incurable, inoperable. And they gave me about six to eight months to live. Uh, obviously I'm here, so I got better. <laughs> but the first thing I think I thought was I wanted to be a really good patient. I wanted to make Brad and my doctors proud. And I just resigned myself to, you know, not seeing the end of Game of Thrones. <laughs> but then that way it lasted a little less than a week. And the first weekend after my diagnosis, I was doing a lot of reading and I decided, you know what? I think I can live. <laughs> uh, the survival rate for lung cancer that spread to the brain is less than 1%. And that means it rounds to zero. But some people do survive. And I figure if anyone can do it, I can do it. And if you look at the math, I mean, 0% of a million is still a thousand. 1% of a million. No, it's zero. It went on to zero, (laughs) just like they round cancer survivors to zero. But there's still people who are represented in a small amount. So I think that's important. Um, So really, the first thing I did, it was less than a a week after my diagnosis, is I started my first fast. And that was the Sunday. Uh, I was diagnosed on a Tuesday. And from there, I just kept reading. I discovered the metabolic theory of cancer. I'm so grateful that I did. People like Dr. Seyfried, everyone who's featured in our film. And I read their books. I got deeper and deeper into it. And it was one year later, one year after my diagnosis, I was completely cancer-free. And not only that, I was living my best life. I mean, I'd made my goal to experience life before I lost it. And I was doing that. I'd lost 50 pounds. My doctors were terrified, of course, but it was 50 pounds of fat that I needed to lose to be healthy. I began exercising. You know, My way of eating just opened up all these possibilities to me of loving my body and appreciating that. And so now that I'm over four years since that diagnosis and feeling fantastic, except for you will hear some brain radiation necrosis that is a result of my conventional treatment of radiation to the brain. Except for that, it's perfect. And all I want, all Brad and I want, was to get this information to other people because it was so hard to find, especially living in Hong Kong. Doctors don't know about it. They don't prescribe it. Uh, You know, some of the research is out there, and I think some doctors are discovering and catching up. Uh, But there are so many lives, in my opinion, that could be saved. And not that everyone needs to do this, but they need to know that it's an available option that will extend their life potentially, it will reduce their side effects from conventional treatments, and it'll just improve their quality of life overall. And, you know, you saw Ben at the end of the film and on our uh, YouTube page right now are some of the survivors that we've talked to, thrivers, some of them who use conventional treatment, some of them who didn't and just use things like keto, fasting, metabolic therapies, but all of whom are living their best lives. Yeah. We have interviewed two or three dozen people that have used these therapies. And we have everyone talk to us. They have like about a 20-ish minute interview up there. So at all different kinds of cancer, all different stages. So just just really empowering, you know, for somebody who's, you know, uh, just got a cancer diagnosis to go and see someone, speak to them, who maybe has, is in a very similar position. That, that was one of my favorite 
parts of your video, by the way, when you showed at the end all of those thrivers, as you call them, because that's exactly what they're doing. They're not just survivors, they're thrivers. And your story, Maggie, it reminds me of Roger Bannister. Are you familiar with Roger Bannister, the four-minute mile? Oh, okay, yes. So in the 1950s, nobody ever ran a four-minute mile. They thought it was impossible. They literally thought the human body was not strong enough, the heart would explode. They would have lions chase people to see if they could run a four-minute mile. It never happened. And then a guy named Roger Bannister didn't believe in the experts. He believed in himself. And he ran a, a four-minute mile, three minutes and 59 seconds. And he was the first one to ever do it. But the point is this. A month after he did it, dozens of dozens of other people ran the four-minute mile. Now it's very common, right? And the reason your story reminds me of that story is because you're kind of like Roger Bannister, meaning you had a 1% survival rate and you didn't believe in the experts. You believed in your God-given human body. And you ran that four-minute mile, meaning you, you healed your body, and now you're showing other people it can be done. You've opened up that door to give them hope and belief. And that right there is probably the most beautiful thing you can offer to the world. I'm so honored for that comparison, but and there are people before me, and that's the thing. There, there have always been these people, and we just want to amplify that because I'm not special. There are dozens of me, hundreds of me. I think you're special. <laughs> yes, obviously, <laughs> I'm a little special with brain damage. <laughs> but in the cancer healing department, it is so attainable, and I mean, it's hard in many ways. And like I always say, I don't judge people who decide it's not the path that they want to take, as long as they know that this path is out there and there is so much healing available. Uh, amen. And, and Brad, you know, I want to hear your perspective of things because maybe somebody who's listening or watching might be in Brad's position or, or your position you were in where you're the significant other who now is dealing with a person in your life who has a diagnosis. Now, what were your initial thoughts and what advice would you give that person who is in the shoes that you were in right now? Well, certainly, I mean, having my wife get a stage four cancer diagnosis was like a huge blow. Uh, you know, I was just a mess for quite a while. But once I sort of, you know, started dealing with that mentally, and she's around the same time was, you know, sort of coming across these other alternative therapies, I would say the one like thing that I would say to other people that are trying to, you know, uh, empower people that are dealing with cancer is just be supportive. That was, I think, one of the main things that helped us through was she was sort of coming to me with these ideas that were either not what her oncologist recommended or in a few cases, even what her oncologist told her not to do. And, you know, I just was like, hey, as long as you're making an informed decision, right, as long as you know, you know, what you're doing, then I'm going to support you no matter what. So that was really where we I think that was an important thing. It's I we've since talked to people who are trying to do what Maggie did, but then the spouse is either not supporting or actively like feeding them pasta. And you're it, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do on its own if you don't even have the support of your spouse. I, I can't imagine trying to do it. So um, that, that would be my advice. And then as as she went on and on, then I started learning about this and, you know, um, you know, figuring out more of the science on my own and, you know, and obviously I'm on board uh, with it now. But um, but yeah, that's that'd be my my advice to anyone who's, who's out there. Just so supportive. 
Yeah, it's it's great advice. It's very, I'm sure it was very challenging for you to be supportive and positive when this is this very scary diagnosis. Uh, and, and I think everybody listening or watching has dealt with that C word, cancer, whether they've been diagnosed or they know somebody who has been diagnosed or they probably have lost somebody to a cancer diagnosis. It's that common. And I recently lost one of my friends that I've known for many, many years. Her dad passed away 10 days ago from cancer. And it was a long battle. And unfortunately, they went the conventional route the whole way through, even though I made several suggestions and I, I said I could make these connections and this is a great book, this is a great podcast. And none of it was heard. It was it was falling on deaf ears. And unfortunately, he suffered for about two years and he passed away now 10 days ago. How do we bridge that gap? Because a lot of people who get diagnosed with cancer, they will completely just put their faith in the medical system. And there's a time and place for that. I'm not saying not to do that. But what if there was alternatives that you teach? Like, how do you get that across? Because the decision is literally life or death. So what are what are some things you can share for somebody that could get that message across? So right. <laughs> and in so many cases, you actually have to fight against your oncologist, or in my case, just completely ignore them. Or I tell them what I'm doing. They say, absolutely, don't do that. And I say, well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then they say, oh, I don't have no idea how come you're this long. Like, you're a miracle. <laughs> and I'm like, will you please? And no. Anyway, what really brought us to this documentary was a case like what you're talking about. I was contacted by a nutritionist out in Scandinavia, and her brother, who was in his early 30s, had just been diagnosed with GBM, glioblastoma multiforme. And as a lot of listeners know, once you get a diagnosis of deep GBM, it's about a year uh, with conventional treatment. Sometimes you can get to a year and a half. But it's also the cancer that has been most closely studied with the metabolic approach. And she knew this, and she was trying to convince him after all the conventional therapies had run their course within a year. And so she contacted me, please, can you explain to my brother, he's, he's dying, and all he wants to do is eat pizza and drink beer. And I tried, and she tried, and we even tried recording video with me speaking when I was speaking better. And what are you going to do? He's exhausted. His brain, I mean, brain damage really sucks, guys. <laughs> and he was having trouble with these concepts. And he, I couldn't just say, hey, read this book and this book and this book, uh, which is why we decided to make this film, because we wanted something that was very, very digestible, that would provide all the you know fundamental science behind it, but also show the hope that it gives without having to talk about the you know horrors of cancer because everybody knows about that um and so that's what we're hoping to do because for the people who are listening who are really interested of course go read kravis christopherson's book miriam kalamium uh, thomas savory there's so many well and actually if you're literally recently diagnosed or trying to find something out right now maggie has a blog where she condenses a lot of this information down into sort of simple and digestible blog posts. Um, that's cancerv.me uh, instead of like a .com, it's .me. And um, uh, yeah, I just feel like that that was like her orig original place to try and like get this information out there. And so I started, you know, teaching and helping people one-on-one -on -one to understand about this, but it was more than I could handle, first of all. And 
I just knew there was a simpler way to get this information across. Honestly, it was Brad who knew there was a simpler way because his background is in film and it was his idea. (laughs) Well, we kept, I mean, bumping into people who she was either doing one-on-one coaching with or just people who were emailing us, like, how do we find out more about this stuff? And we would, you know, recommend, you know, Miriam Klamian's book, Keto for Cancer, which is like an actionable guide on like, you know, how to, you know, treat cancer with a ketogenic diet. And we were getting feedback like, oh, it's it's very complicated. It's hard to figure this stuff out. Same thing with Travis's book. Like, it's really science-y. Dr. Nisha and Jess Higgins-Kelly. Yeah. And so we were just like, hey, let's make a documentary that simplifies this stuff in a way that you can sort of passively get it. You could watch it a second time if you have to or back it up. You know, it's going to be streaming. So, you know, you can you can take it at your own pace. And then the other thing we hit upon while we were like making the documentary was injecting the personalities and the history of this. And so it becomes, oh, as, an en- as enjoyable as it can be. I mean, we're fans of it because we made it. Um, but, you know, this idea that you could sit and watch a documentary, learn about how the metabolic theories of cancer can help someone with cancer and sort of be entertained like a Netflix documentary at the same time. This is really, if you're interested, then go to your, you know, find a metabolically informed practitioner, someone like you, Ben, or there are so many others out there. Uh, And we really hope to follow this up with a database of those metabolic practitioners, whether it's an oncologist, an integrative oncologist, a nutritionist, dietitian, because they're out there and there are more and more coming up, but they're very difficult to find in some cases. They are. And you have a great, I love the resource you mentioned. So it's cancerv.com. M-E, where there's a simple blog for people to read more about this, and then they could, that could lead them to more of the science. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? This may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasia loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. 
No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best-tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy-tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. How important is it, Maggie, to believe that you could heal from cancer? There's a power in placebo, and there's also a, pl- a power in nocebo, right? It could work for you or against you. So how did you even develop that belief that you're going to heal from this, you're going to overcome, and how important is that towards healing your body? Number one, I'd say it is 100% important. I mean, honestly, it's probably more important than keto, than metabolic theory, than everything. If you sincerely believe your body is a placebo, <laughs> I mean, it's been so closely studied. This is why I get into com- or arguments with my oncologist when he won't prescribe me certain off-label medications or support keto or fasting, is that, well, I believe that it's working. Or that's, he'll say, oh, this hasn't been proven. And it's like, it it doesn't matter. Your argument is it might be a placebo. I don't care if that's why I heal (laughs) as long as I heal. And and so that's number one. And so I think some of these treatments and therapies really helped me solidify and root that belief that I'm going to heal. But ultimately, I was incredibly lucky at the beginning that I just think I am the coolest person in the world who, oh, my doctor says that I'm way smarter than him. <laughs> and just didn't believe anybody except myself and what my I, I believed. And really, Brad helped so much because he never treated me like I was sick. He never showed his concerns. And sometimes... <laughs> Tough love. We had a lot of tough love. Sometimes I get really upset. Like, I'm dying. I want pity. I want, you know, to wallow into self-despair for my last six months. And he wouldn't give that to me. And he treated me like a normal, healthy person. And so I behaved like a normal, healthy person. And not too long later, I was a normal, healthy person. (laughs) That is beautiful. (laughs) I love, Brad, that you treated her that way. And I think that's a valuable tip. If you have somebody in your life who has a diagnosis like cancer or whatever it is, treat them as if they're healthy, you know, give them that ideal projection of what you want their future to to become. And and Maggie, what were some of the things, and let's, I'll caveat and preface this and say, this is definitely not medical advice and this should never be substituted for medical advice. Always speak with a doctor, find a great doctor and work with them. But Maggie, for you, what were some of the things that you did? You mentioned you did a fast. How long was that first fast? But what were some of the other therapies you did for yourself? So fasting is my absolute favorite therapy now. Uh, My first fast was 24 hours. I barely made it. And then since then, we've developed together a rhythm of we always fast from Sunday evening to Tuesday evening every week. So it's about a 44 hour fast every week. And then once a month, we extend that to three to five days, depending on how we're feeling. Uh, A ketogenic 
diet for me, therapeutic, like my GKI, my glucose ketone index was always under 2.0, most of the time under 1.0, which was very important. Uh, for me, for a lot of women, that's not sustainable. So after I've been cancer-free, I've really made a more sustainable diet for myself that takes the principles. I mean, I will never eat processed food again or seed oils or any of these inflammatory foods that are just so obvious now. Uh, and I'm, I'm grateful that I had that year and year and a half of you know intensity in the ketogenic diet. And then I use off-label supplements. So these are, there's a actually protocol of four that have been pretty widely tested for cancer. Uh, they've all been used and proven safe and effective for other uh, chronic diseases, but because they're off-label, no pharmaceutical company is going to go pay the billions of dollars to try them and do the three-stage trials for cancer. But these are metformin, which is probably the most widely known. I'd say about half of oncologists know this and prescribe it now. My oncologist belongs to the other half. <laughs> There's membendazole, which you'll hear a lot of people, and I get contacted by a lot of people asking about the Joe Tippins protocol. And he takes fenbendazole, which is a dog dewormer. And this is the human version of that. It's a human dewormer. And then atorvastatin, the very common statin. I am surprisingly not a fan of statins for cholesterol, but for cancer, I'm willing to take it. And then what I used to take, and I don't anymore, doxycycline, uh, alternating with membendazole. So that's a very standard, well-studied uh, protocol, especially great for glioblastoma. And then there are other supplements. I take a ton of Boswellia for my uh, inflammatory uh, brain issues. There's, you know, curcumin. Oh my gosh, I can't even list. I had to take Risperitol. about 30, 30 different supplements. Yeah. And a big point here is, Ben, just like you say, if you feel it's going to work for you and you feel drawn to this and it resonates, it's going to work for you. So just do it. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, this, you know, maybe yes. If you're feeling it, if you're after me, try it out. I was going to say, I remember her kind of going through these different off-label drugs and then also these supplements. And she would sort of try them for like two or three weeks and just sort of self-assess, like, am I feeling better? You know, do I, do I feel like that this is helping me? And um, yeah, you were just really good at, she was really good at feeling her body and understanding, you know, if it was helping, but knowing which one was, what they were supposed to do to, I think was, uh, was good, but, but yeah, she really just tried to sort of self-tune it. But you, I mean, this isn't something that you have to do on your own, right? You can find a, uh, you know, someone integrative oncologist that will help you, you know, sort of fine tune your own off-label drugs and supplements. So these first three, the uh, fasting, keto, and off-label drugs is what we talk about most in the documentary, but then there's so much more. <laughs> we have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber at home that we use. We bought our own sauna for our house, and our house, by the way, is very small, <laughs> and we still squeeze these in because it's so important. Exercise is so important. I walk at least an hour every day. Yoga, I just got back from six weeks in Bali solo to get my yoga teacher training. Meditation wow. every morning. Congratulations, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, my doctor can't believe I can walk <laughs> and I'm a yoga teacher. And so, uh, yeah, just again, whatever feels right for you. <laughs> a great advice, I love that. I'm curious, you know, there's a, there's a movement out there in regards to cancer that has the the mindset of like, F cancer, you know, like F you cancer, I hate you cancer. What are your thoughts on, on that mindset of like, damn you, F you cancer? What do you think about that movement, that mindset? 
I'm so happy you asked. <laughs> this is one of the first posts on my blog. For me, and it's different for everybody, for me, it was very important to realize that my cancer cells are my cells. It's not an invading virus, bacteria, fungus, whatever. This is my body's cells, and I needed to learn to love them. And for me, I realized that a big part of my cancer, I believe, came from not loving my body in the past and, you know, hiding all these different emotions that I needed to release. And I kept suppressing them. And eventually, and I know it sounds crazy. I'm only telling you, Ben, because I feel like you understand this. <laughs> I, they helped manifest into cancer. And in a way, I was wishing it for myself because I was so miserable in my life. I caught myself, you know, saying, I wish I had, somebody had to take care of me. And I resented that I wasn't being taken care of. Uh, so yes, for me, I want to love my body, every cell of it. I'm so sorry that I gave them cancer by not loving them before. And it's been a helpful perspective for me. Um, I never want to think about, oh, chemo's my guns against cancer, that I'm you know hurting my own body. It just doesn't resonate. I got goosebumps uh, I, when you share that. Um, go ahead, Brad. I, I was just going to say that uh, the one thing that Maggie and I have now found since she's you know been cancer-free for a little while is this idea of curing cancer. There's a lot of people that, you know, they go through this sort of standard protocol and it, you can actually el eliminate most of the cancer cells in your body, especially if it was like a stage one or stage two diagnosis. And the problem is, is that it's very, it's extremely rare for you to be cured of cancer to like just never have a recurrence. Honestly, um, you have cancer, Ben. Brad's got cancer. Everybody's got a little bit of cancer inside them. I let mine get way too out of control, but I don't feel like I have to have none now. <laughs> I can be like you, like Brad, like other people. Yeah. And we just, we've run into quite a few people who have had a recurrence and they, their initial take was sort of that FU cancer idea and that they, they've sort of come around now with the recurrence to like looking at it in a different way. But yeah, I, I think of it now as my body telling me that pay more attention because I pay very close attention to my tumor markers. Sometimes they do go up and I'll have a longer fast. I'll, you know, treat myself really well and then they go back down to normal. And so that's something that's important is don't panic on your first recurrence. Uh, living with cancer is like living with a human body. <laughs> what are the tumor markers that you have been looking at for yourself, Maggie? So it's different for every cancer and uh, lung cancer doesn't have a uh, official tumor marker. There's a lot of lack of research for lung cancer because it's such a stigmatized disease. 90% uh, of lung cancers are smokers. Uh, but for what works really well for me is CA-9 and CA-125. CA-125 is normally for ovarian cancer, but you can go out there and do just a Google search for your cancer and the tumor markers for that. And I'm lucky because in Hong Kong, it's common that they always test them every month. When I got here to the U.S., they don't, especially not my doctor. So I pay for uh, something called labnd.com, and I just get it myself out of Quest yeah. Diagnostics. And I would urge a little bit of caution with the tumor markers. For Maggie in particular, they worked great. Like she literally would feel the tumor or get a tumor marker thing. They would go up, she would go get a scan and the scan would confirm what she had got in the tumor markers. 
But we have another person that is close to us that we just helped out um, by doing some metabolic therapies. She had a stage four breast cancer. She had tumor markers and they did not follow the way that the cancer was developing in her body. So it's, it's, it can be something that can help, but at the same time, like don't put a ton of weight into it and, until you know for sure that it's actually um, you know, working for you. Yeah, try to find one that works while you have a tumor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well said. Going back to the conversation on the mindset of F you cancer, I hate you cancer, and how that's not the right way to go about it. I agree with you because what if cancer is the answer, right? What if cancer is the answer, meaning your innate intelligence showing you, like you said, Maggie, you're out of balance. You're out of homeostasis. I'm showing you this diagnosis. I'm showing you this this symptom or symptoms. So we could show you the check engine light and you could bring things back into homeostasis. And for you, it was having these trapped emotions, um, feelings of hate. I could definitely relate to that. I remember when I interviewed Dr. Keneally from California, Erin Keneally. Um, I asked her, I said, I know cancer is multifactorial. I know there's many reasons why people develop cancer. But if you had to choose one of the most common reasons you've seen people in your clinic who have cancer, what would that one be? And she said, probably trapped emotions, probably hate for themselves, these negative thoughts, right? And that's that was your case. And how many of these cancer diagnoses can we say are, are actually from these trapped emotions. So what are some things that you would recommend, some books, some resources, some exercises, maybe gratitude, maybe yoga to work on those trapped emotions? There are so many, and it really is what re- resonates with each person. For me, it was definitely yoga and meditation, which I discovered through mindfulness-based stress reduction because I knew I needed to reduce my stress, but I still was not open to this more holistic approach. I was very into allopathic medicine, like it had to be something my MD told me, and boy, have I changed. Uh, So that was my entryway. And I didn't feel much of a connection with things like tapping or uh, release code. There were some, you know, Reiki, and that was in the beginning. But now, cut to three years later, (laughs) I very much feel uh, Reiki is something that's good for me. Uh, talk therapy. It's never worked, you know, been my thing, but it's great for other people. Body therapy for me is great. Getting a massage, uh, craniosacral therapy. There's, uh, yeah, it, it, so there's so much. I really encourage people to try everything that they've heard of and see what works for them and then try it all again in a couple of years because those things can change. Oh, tension trauma release exercises. That was my yeah, first theory. really good one. Yeah. So try them all. Yeah. And like just getting a work-life balance. That's right. Trying to reduce stress wherever you can. Anything, Brad, that you personally do for um, the, I call it the inner sizing, the mental six pack. Like what do you love to do to work on the inside? Yeah. I, um, on and off, I do uh, just a little, I do a 10 or 15 minute a day, um, meditation in the mornings. I like to do that right when I get up, start the coffee maker and then take a little break, sit on the couch, do a little meditation. Um, That just really kind of nice, clears my mind, right? You know, you wake up with those thoughts and like, you're already going, your mind's already like buzzing about like, whatever it is you didn't get done yesterday. And I've just found that that really helps me out. 
Um, and then Maggie hauls me into yoga every once in a while. So, you know, it's like we used to have a pretty regular, actually, when she was recovering, we had a pretty regular yoga practice. We did it almost every day yeah. for a while. Now we do it a little less frequently. Um, she still actually does it without me. I do it a little less frequently, I should say. But yeah, those are the two things that, that I've found. Yeah. Yeah. You know, find what works, find what you enjoy, what works for you. And that's, you know, and do it, do it consistently. And that could be the yoga. It could be the tapping. It could be the gratitude. It could be whatever, you know, you enjoy doing. That's, that's the point, finding what you enjoy doing and doing it. Hey, Keto Camper, there's a simple tip that I teach to my students inside of my Keto Camp Academy that really helps them on their journey in the great land of ketosis. Now, a lot of people who do keto, they tend to struggle because they are missing this simple little tip. And that is the importance of replenishing your electrolytes, especially when you lower your carbohydrate intake, like ketosis, you're going to lose a lot of extra water weight. That's a good thing. You're going to look lighter, you're going to feel lighter. But the kidneys go through this diuresis process and you do release electrolytes as well. That's why so many people do keto, but they have unpredictable mood swings, energy crashes, they feel exhausted and they're wondering, why am I not getting all those amazing benefits everybody speaks about with keto? The simple fix, use a high quality electrolyte. The one that I use, the one that I love is Upgraded Charge from Upgraded Formulas. I love them because it's a unique proprietary absorption method with nanoparticles and it has a 99.99% absorption rate. This is maximum bioavailability. Upgraded Charge includes upgraded magnesium, upgraded zinc, upgraded sodium, potassium, and it tastes freaking awesome. It actually tastes like a non-alcoholic margarita. The flavor comes from a natural lime peel. Take upgraded charge during your intermittent fast throughout your day, replenish those electrolytes, and you're going to notice a difference in your energy, your mood, and you're going to really maximize the incredible benefits of ketosis. Upgraded Formulas has given you a 15% off coupon code for being a valuable listener of the Keto Camp Podcast. That is awesome. They're awesome. If you head to upgradedformulas.com and use the coupon code KK15 at checkout, you could get 15% off their upgraded charge and anything else you add to your cart. That is upgradedformulas.com. Use the coupon code KK15 at checkout. I will also drop a link for you down below in the notes. Your film has, uh, it's called Cancer Rev Revolution. For those who are wondering, we mentioned it earlier, but it's called Cancer Revolution. And the lineup of people you've interviewed are absolutely incredible. Like, good job. I mean, I'm sure it was difficult to track these people down and record all that and all the things that went behind the scenes. But you've had a lot of people who have been on my show, friends of mine. Um, I'm just going to read the list here of the people that are featured in your film. Uh, Sam Apple, who wrote a great book called Ravenous, all about Otto Warburg. I brought him on earlier this year. Travis Christofferson, who wrote a great book, Tripping Over the Truth, Curable on Ketones, uh, Paul Davies, PhD, physicist, Dr. Fung, who, of course, everybody in ketone fasting knows. He's like the father of fasting. Uh, we brought him on to talk about Cancer Code and his other books. So he's in there. Miriam Kalamian, I hope I'm saying her name right, Keto for Cancer. Jesse Kelly, who co-authored Dr. Nasha's book, who is also in your film. Walter Longo, 
Angela Poff, Charles Meekin, uh, Adrian Sheck, Thomas Seafried, everybody knows him, Robert Weinberg, and of course, you two. So my question to you is this, out of all those amazing names and all the interviews you've done and all the research you've done, what are maybe three of the most common themes with what these experts have to, had to share, the three most common themes they've shared? I would say that the, the main idea of what our documentary is about is this idea of cancer cells using glucose as a fuel source. That is across the board, whether it's Sam, who's a historian of Otto Warburg, Travis with Tripping Over the Truth, Dr. Seyfried with his amazing research. The main idea is that we might not be approaching cancer the right way scientifically, um, and that there's other avenues to treating cancer once you open your mind up to it forming in a different way. Um, if you think about this idea, if cancer forms from mutations to DNA, you try to make drugs that will target those mutations and sort of flip the switch back. Um, and then the, the problem is if that's not how cancer forms, then that, you, know, you sort of lose effectiveness with that drug. And, and that's really what we're seeing with this current paradigm of how we're treating cancer like it's a, you know, a genetic uh, problem and that can only get you so far. Um, and that's why there's a lot of success where you can do these sort of metabolic therapies on the side with the conventional, you don't have to throw the conventional therapies out the window if you believe in the, the genetic uh, somatic mutation theory of cancer, you can still listen to your doctor and do these other metabolic therapies on the side. And I'm interrupting to your point, like the one thing too that's important to understand that cancer may not be predestined in your genes is that means you're in control. And I think that comes out in a lot of these uh, wonderful people and their yeah. research. Certainly, yeah, Dr. Fung and Paul Davies had things like that to say about, you know, genetics, you know, just... Well, you know, if you think about the hospitals, and I think I share this in a keto... I did share this at Keto Symposium, right? A, a patient going through chemotherapy in the hospital in their hospital bed, the nurse comes in with their food, is processed junk food with seed oils and gluten and things that led to them being there. I mean, how ridiculous is that? The fact that they allow fast food restaurants in McDonald's, at McDonald's, Burger King's, in hospitals. It's like, why? What is going on? It's that we have to be our own health advocate because if we just treat our health casually, we end up a casualty and we don't want to just be another statistic. So that's where studying, education, applying, and, and having these difficult conversations with your doctors to get them on board. And if they're not on board, you know, finding a doctor or practitioner who will be on board, it's an uphill battle. But just to the point of F you cancer and why that's the wrong mindset, another way to look at it that's very wrong is the war against cancer. I mean, that was declared, right? The war against cancer. Maybe you could share your thoughts on just that declaration and why that's the wrong mindset and way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, the idea is just that the, the, the way that you, if you just ask a random person on the street, right, like, how do you get cancer, right? It's like, oh, there's genetic mutations, right? That's not proven. That is a theory, right? I mean, there's some evidence for it, and that's why it's a, you know, a, a solid theory, but it's... That's the problem with the war on cancer right now is that we're putting all of our effort behind this one genetic mutation theory, and we're not opening 
the, the, you know, our minds, scientists aren't opening their minds to other ways of cancer forming. One thing that's really interesting is that there are so many different types of cancer. It's really not even one type of disease. It's all different kinds of diseases that just get lumped into cancer. And so I would not be surprised if we find that in the future, some cancers might form from genetic mutations. Some cancers might form another way. So this idea of the war on cancer, what's wrong with it is that it's very strict in its mindset and how we're approaching cancer, how we're trying to treat cancer. And our first three minutes of the first episode of our documentary are dedicated to that. The fact that the war on cancer was declared by Nixon over 50 years ago with increasing amounts of money spent. And we're at the point now, 50 years later, where almost every grant is to support this genetic mutation and all we're trying to do is find new mutations that we can target with new pharmaceuticals that are all funded by the pharmaceutical company. Um, my particular one costs over 24000 U.S. dollars every month. And it was supposed to prolong life. Well, they haven't even proven that. But it was supposed to give me a better quality of life for six to eight months. Uh, and they all have resistance that develops to them. And I just get frustrated that it's taking away the funding from things like a metabolic therapy that really teach you that it could treat a core cause of cancer. Yeah. Do you have that stat on the top of your head of how many novel therapies that one is safe like? Yeah, I don't remember the period of years. I think it was about 10 years, but there were over 691 articles citing a novel a breakthrough in cancer. It came out to 72 different drugs. I think it's either six or eight that actually works, but none of them prolonged life significantly, and they all cost over $100,000 per treatment. Yeah, I'm sorry we don't have that. We should get, I'll get you this quote. Yeah, I thought it was hundreds of drugs, and yeah, there's only a few that actually really treat cancer. Most of them sort of knock out about 40 or 50% of the tumor which if you were, were a surgeon, you wouldn't even operate on a tumor if all you were going to get was 40 or 50%. So yeah, we're extending life by about four months with these cancer drugs on average. And it's not... Oh, sorry, it's 2.4. 2.4 months, excuse me. Yeah, 2.4 <laughs> months with most of these newer targeted therapies. They're not really leading to um, the, the, what, what patients want. They, you know, we want to like live longer lives. You want to, you know... Uh, be able to put cancer at least on hold or out of your mind for a little bit. You're never going to, you know, completely eradicate the disease. You have to be aware of it. But this idea that, you know, you just take a pill and, um, and that cures you, it's not, it's not working. It's not. I remember Dr. Keneally shared with me a study that showed the five-year survival rate for chemotherapy for breast cancer patients who do chemotherapy without lifestyle changes, meaning they just simply did chemo for breast cancer. They didn't change anything else. The five-year survival rate was 2.1%. That is disgustingly low. There is a study that was published in 2019. Miriam Kalamium herself was actually involved in it, although she's not super into it. They took 60 women with late stage breast cancer, stage three or four, they called it advanced. They gave 30 of them, half of them, uh, regular chemotherapy after their surgery. They gave the other half chemotherapy and keto after their surgery. And oh gosh, I wish I remembered the exact numbers, but it was about 50% of the women who are just chemo 
and almost all the women who are keto and chemo. And the question that came out of it is, is it ethical not to give people <laughs> a keto? And they only had to do it for three months with in the beginning after their chemotherapy. And it's just breathtaking, <laughs> the, the survival that's possible just by opening your mind to these different therapies. Yeah, there's so many viable options out there. Keto is one of them for sure. So if you do it right, anti-inflammatory and fasting, right? You mentioned breast cancer. I mentioned breast cancer too. There was that study I wrote about in my book from the, where was it? University of California, San Diego, that showed a short overnight fast of less than 13 hours, meaning somebody was fasting less than 13 hours, was statistically significant, 36% higher risk of the breast cancer reoccurrence to come back. Meaning if you fasted for 13 hours or more, which is not long, right? 13 hours is not long. You have a 36% less likelihood for that breast cancer to come back. And that's a short fast, right? These are amazing little strategies and fasting is free. And it's just a matter of people having this information and they could change their life. Um, I looked that stat up really quick on the phone that I was trying to remember. They looked at 92 new therapies over the last 17 years. And this is on the NIH's website, by the way. This is an actual you know, published study. Um, and the overall survival was only two months. So that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> but think of what they cost compared to fasting. <laughs> yeah, because we're basically just targeting tumor. We're trying to reduce tumor cells. We're not trying to go for the cause, like whatever made the tumor. We're not targeting that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk all day. We yeah, do. We talk yeah. for five hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. And you know, you could, you could call it cynicism. You could call it conspiracy. But here's the truth. If you could put fasting in a pill... That would be the recommendation probably from these companies, but you can't, you can't benefit from it. I mean, they can't benefit from it. They can't make money from it, but they can make money from these surgeries and medications. So it makes sense why they would want to push that and kind of forget or ignore the science on fasting and ketosis and gratitude or whatever it is. It's just, that's just the, the nature of it. Honestly, I mean, we don't think there's any kind of conspiracy theory or anything like that. It's just the way that the system is designed. It's working how it's, it's functioning how it was designed, right? It's like the government says, you know, we want pills that reduce tumor size. Okay, so that's what pharmaceutical companies are making, to pills that reduce tumor size, right? It's like... I mean, I would add that the government isn't really the people like it should be. It's the lobbyist from well, the pharmaceutical companies. There's like a little bit of that. Yeah, it's obviously, make. yeah. Is but that's the government, not in the film. <laughs> yeah. Is the government asking the right questions demanding the right things you you know that's you know a, a, even another argument but yeah it's like at the moment i don't think there's any kind of conspiracy theory you know you know drug companies are trying to make the kind of drugs that the government is telling you to make and to make money. Yeah, so. that's right that's right so the film people want to know now where can they watch it i know it's not available yet but give some details on where they can go and something we're going to be offering my keto campers okay the Obviously, you can just find us on YouTube. We got lots of clips up if you want to see something right away. We just have an interview clip from almost everybody that you mentioned. Our website, cancerrevolution.com. What is it? Cancerrevolution, all one word, but one R, dot film. Dot film. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, we've changed it once. I apologize. <laughs> and on that page, there's an event. On that website, there's an events page, which lists all the upcoming screenings we've got 
um, mostly virtual at this point. And then also if we're doing any more, like the keto symposium that you were, you saw us at, if we're doing any more conferences, we're putting those up all on that one page. I'm going to step in really quickly yeah. and just say that we've been talking about this as a film. It's actually a five part docu-series and it's episode one is the one that's available or that's been completed. It's going to premiere at a film festival early 2023. And until then, we can't put it up for sale on something like an Amazon or a Netflix or whatever. And that's why we're doing these virtual events, these private screenings, because it's a way for us to kind of get around the world premiere requirements of film festivals. And we really want a great film festival just for the media attention and to get these things out there. So it's a delicate balance of getting the conventional media attention, but also making it available to as many people as possible right now, yeah. which is what we're doing through our virtual events that we want to do with uh, Keto Camp and your followers, Ben. So tell them what the... Yeah, I, I, I love that idea. Let, let's do it. I mean, what? how can we set that up? Should I, just, should I just let my audience know that I'll give them details on it as we develop it? Or should we send them somewhere for that? What do you want to, how do you want to do that? Yeah, let's, you would, let's the three of us just discuss it and your team will, you know, um, just discuss like some dates and we'll get it on a calendar and it'll just be an opportunity for all of your followers to see the film when, a, you know, when a time period, basically like a rental to see the film and then uh, we'll do a Q&A session, uh, the, the three of us for sure. If you want to um, bring anyone else in, we can, um, you know, see if we can get somebody who's from the film or, you know, any doctors, you know, whatever you want to do. We can just have a little Q&A session after the film and take questions from the chat, discuss it, and uh, I think it would be great. It'll be amazing. So here's what I'll do. For those listening on the podcast, by the by the time this podcast is released, we'll confirm the dates and how to get signed up for it. And I'll, I'll reference that in the podcast notes below. And I'll, I will also reference it when I do the outro. If you're watching on YouTube, I will uh, put that link down below and the details down below. By the time this is released, if you're watching on YouTube right now, it's down below. And uh, we'll sort that out. So by the time this is released, for those who are listening and watching, the details would be available for you. And we'll set that up and we'll do a private screening, Q&A. It will be a great grand time. I can't wait for that be great yeah yeah is there a final message that both of you would like to leave my audience in regards to your message of cancer revolution and hope and the amazing human body maybe maggie you could give yours and then brad you could give your final message i actually think we probably share the same one which is be your own advocate and yes. we've heard this from all of our thrivers that we've interviewed everyone i know who's had a successful outcome like mine because they fought for themselves. And it's terrifying to stand up to the people in the white coats and somebody with a lot of credentials after their name, but nobody knows your body like you. <laughs> and there's no reason you should take the advice of some scan or some person over what you feel inside. And so I would say really pay attention to what your body is feeling, what you're feeling inside, and then make that your ultimate uh, source of authority and take that to your doctors and they can be wonderfully helpful by prescribing the meditation that you medication that you feel is helpful all of that but use them because you are their boss and they're your employees don't hand over control of your health to anybody else yeah when you asked that question i had the exact same thought <laughs> be your own advocate and i would just add to to maggie's is this idea of hope right this is you know it's very easy to sort of slip into this 
fear of cancer that, you know, that all hope is lost, don't try not to do that, right? There, there are ways for you to, to fight this disease and, uh, in, in to heal this disease. I don't like fight. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. To, yeah, there, there's things that you can do and just have an open mind, advocate for yourself, uh, with your doctor, find as much information as you can online, um, and, you know, help yourself. Beautiful. Beautiful. Last question for both of you is my favorite supplement for putting the body in this anti-inflammatory state is vitamin G, gratitude. And my question for you, Maggie, and then Brad is what are you grateful for today? What is your vitamin G dose that you want to take today? I'm going to take this in two parts. And the first one is to emphasize how correct you are. I started doing a gratitude journal every morning. And from there, it's evolved to just gratitude every moment. And right now, it's for feelings on my skin, for being able to talk to you, Ben, for being alive, which I love so much, but I don't fear death either. I just want to enjoy what I have now. It's for the people who love me, for the sun outside, for our little puppy who's been obnoxious during this call, (laughs) my health, the learning that I had, and I'm deeply grateful to my cancer for getting me here. Yeah, I would simply say, yeah, just this idea of enjoying the little things. Um, I've really, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, my mind has, my mindset has changed where going for a simple stroll in the sunshine, you know, thinking about the way things taste when I'm eating them. Um, just that appreciate, I mean, obviously the fact that I have my wife with me is number one, <laughs> I should say, but um, yeah, this sort of a, just appreciation for the simple things is really um, uh, what I'm really grateful for right now. And Brad taught me to enjoy the journey. We're not just trying to get stuff over with. That wasn't the mistake I took before. Like things are going to be great in my life when I'm 90. Enjoy right now. Enjoy doing the dishes, making a movie, whatever it is at work. Just be grateful that you're alive and you can do it. It's great advice. It's amazing advice. Well, you two are what I call three percenters, meaning only a small percentage of the population take ownership and think the way that you do. And unfortunately, that's the, the fact of it. But we want to change that. And uh, three percenters do whatever it takes. They take responsibility. And I want to acknowledge both of you and say thank you for sharing both of your stories and for creating such an incredible docu-series that's going to touch and change and affect and impact so many people beyond your wildest imagination. I just know it will. Uh, So I cannot wait for this to be released uh, out into the world. In the meantime, we'll do that private screening. In the meantime, go check out all the resources that you, you mentioned. We'll reference down below, including your blog, including your website, your social media, your YouTube. And thank you both so very much for sharing your story and taking it to the world. I am very grateful for both of you. Thank you so thank much, you, Ben. Yeah, you're for so welcome. All you do. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. I told you it was inspiring and heartfelt and a testament to the amazing human body and the way that God has designed the body to be self-healing as long as we remove the interference, which is exactly what Maggie did. Go check them out. Go get registered for the free screening and Q&A for their event, their their, uh, docu-series, Cancer Revolution. It's free. And it's a special opportunity for you to get more info about this documentary and see me and Dr. Tro do a Q&A and answer your questions. So that's going to take place on Valentine's Day, February 14th at 5 
30 p.m. Eastern time. Go to the link in the podcast down below and register for that. It's going to be awesome. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and a review, please do so. If you want to watch today's episode and all episodes, video format, the video interview, that could be found on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash keto camp. We'll drop a link down below. Go get registered for my toxin and detox masterclass over at toxinsmasterclass.com. Have yourself a phenomenal day. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.